This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to DM to GM. We're the show that helps you feel more comfortable playing the games that you want to play. I'm your DM from Dungeons and Dragons, Russ Moore. And I'm your GM from the end of time and other bothers, Sean Howard. And today we've got a very good question. One that comes up a lot when dealing with um, game systems that have large and extensive uh, base books. Like the one we're going to talk about today, Dungeons and Dragons, the fifth edition. Bum, bum, bum. Our question comes from uh, at models who's over on our discord. You can join us. Link is down in the description there. And their first question is what's the bare minimum a GM or DM needs to know. That's the question that we all ask ourselves. Specifically in this case about D and D fifth edition. Yes. Models goes on to say that uh, they came up with the question because they got the D&D three book package being the Dungeons Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook and the Monster Manual. Um, It, of course, comes with a DM screen, uh, which summizes a lot of the things that the DM needs to know in a confusing way. That's a lot of information. If that's the first thing you open, it's overwhelmed. It's just like charts. It's a lot of information. So the thing you need to know about a lot of these games When's the last time you used land travel rules, Russ? Uh, My last session. (laughs) Damn you. Okay, good. (laughs) Look, I've got people trying to go to the middle of a continent. They need to have land travel rules. (laughs) All right. Anyways, so what this made models realize is that there is a lot to know and there is a lot to know. So hopefully today uh, we're going to at least pare down some of the things that you can skip to first, read through first before you sit down at a table or have your players sitting down and read um, so that you can get playing uh, not necessarily super fast, but quicker than having to read through 900 plus pages of rules and stat blocks and all that sort of stuff. All right. I have the first one. All right. Okay, you're going to open that pack of three things. Yeah. And you're going to take the monster manual and you take the player's handbook and you're going to take the dungeon mat screen. You're going to put that in a beautiful place where you're going to like look at it and read it and have access to it by your bedside, wherever you want. You're going to take that dungeon master's guide and you're going to basically hide it. Don't read it. There you go. That's the first thing. The beautiful thing they did with fifth edition, because I'm a 2E guy, right? From 2E. Yeah. You had to read the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Player's Handbook in 2E. What they've done really well, I think, in 5th edition is I bought the Dungeon Master's Guide and I was like reading it. And I'm like, like, 
it, it's fine. It's good if you want to then do that later. Yeah. But the beautiful thing in 5e is all you need is the player's handbook and it's all your players need. Um, as a GM, as a player, it's all you need. You can play the game. And they've even gone one step further and they've pared down the player's handbook from 300 plus pages down to a mere 180 pages. <laughs> um, but on their almost website- Almost 50% off. Right? That's almost 50% less. And here's the hook. D&D, they want people to play their game. So they've given you those base rules, the 180 pages with the four main races, the four main classes for free. Free, Russ, really? Free. This is an wow. This, not not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Yet. Um, but on their website, we'll link it down in the description, as we have in many past episodes, because we've talked about this before, is they give you that pared down version for free. So if you want to go deeper and know more later, go get the books, go buy the books, uh, get it on D&D Beyond, whatever you got to do. But you can sit down with your friends. It walks you through how to build a character, how to plan a combat encounter, how magic works. And that's the three kind of base things you need to know. So I've just answered our question. Sorry, I've ruined our entire episode. No, you haven't. It's good, but we have more. Yeah. So that's no, good. So I think it's a great idea of just learn the base rules, play the base rules, because what you want to do is have fun. Yes. Even as the GM, it's a lot. So you should have fun. So make it easier. Have fun. Now. What's going to happen is that as you get closer to game night, like let's say you've downloaded it, you've sent that link to all your players, everyone's excited, everyone's ready. As you get closer to game night, overwhelm will start to set in as a GM. Guaranteed first time. It's going to happen. It so happens just be ready even for it. after you do it for <laughs> It happens every recording day for me. First idea I, I had, I was like, oh, use your players. And I think you should. You should ask every player to learn the their player character like that's just one small section now those hundred but they just have to learn those eight pages six pages whatever it is they should understand what it means all as much as they can about the first level for that player character class and race and when they're doing that they're gonna figure out a lot of the other game mechanics as they go you're gonna figure out what your skills and ability scores are you're gonna figure out your ac you're gonna figure out your hits and your attacks and the this i mean you may you may not know exactly what the bonuses do for you in the moment but it you're gonna know what they are so that you when the dm or gm asks for those things you now have an idea of where to go and find it because you filled out your sheet, you've read through the, the 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 description in the book, and it's going to be easier to reference for everybody once you sit down at yep. the table. And create a Discord, create a closed Facebook group, create a place where every player, as they're reading it, can be like, wait, what does this mean? And it's going to make it easier for you as the game master because you can be like, oh, wait. I think I know I read that. And then you can take some time, go back, read about that thing in the book and be like, oh yeah, that's this. And then everybody's learning together and it keeps it just easier than everyone learning it all at once. And having that side group going, the other great thing too, is that if you don't have the answer, maybe Stephen over there read a little bit more and Stephen always has the answer. Stephen always has the answer. Always. Maybe he read a little bit more and he's got it ready to go. Not only did they, he help your other player, but he helped you understand it a little bit better as well, if, whether you were a little yeah. shaky on it or not. Okay, so now you prepared. You relatively comfortable, all of you, but it's a little nerve-wracking moving up to the game. I'm going to skip over prep. We're going to talk about that in a minute. 
okay? Because that is a place of overwhelm. We're going to talk about you running your first game. I have created, and if Russ pushes me, I'll do this as a little flow charty thing in OmniGravel, but I just penciled out a flow chart. Of course you did. Okay. Yes, I did. You're at the table and someone wants to do something. They say, my character skills the wall because they're a thief and they're going to go around the guards. So the first thing you have to answer is, is it a spell? No. No. So then you go to this other section. Russ, does it seem really difficult? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you know the rule for this? No. No. My next thing says, roll something. Okay. Just roll something. Roll a dice. Roll a die, Russ. And is it high or low? It's a one. So? It's low. They failed. They failed miserably. You you've, you started to climb. You're looking really good. The sweat's glistening. The sun is beating down. And then you hit a rock. And then you fall <gasps> backwards. <laughs> I was only five feet up. Okay. So, <laughs> so... So basically, the ideas in the game have fun. If you don't know a rule, just say, you can even say to the table, guys, I don't know what to do here. Let's roll. Yeah. And then you're, you can, in your head, you can think 15 or higher out of a 20. Just always roll a 20-sided die. It's D&D. Yeah. Roll a 20-sided die. Decide what happens and go. And I want to back up a little. Let's say someone says they want to do something. Like the guy goes, I want to run around the guards, Russ. Now, you could, Russ, as GM, would be like, well, are you engaged? How many feet? How many blocks they take blah, up? Are they blah, large? Blah, are you a small rules. or extra small two-state? Anyways, or Russ could just be like, when I said, does it seem difficult? It's not a spell. So then, does it seem difficult? No. Russ says, no, it works. Perfect. They run around the guards. That's it. Yep. Right? If a player wants to do something and it seems not difficult, you don't have to roll anything. Just have fun. The The only times you really want to roll is if there's risk of failure. Yes. So if you think, okay, so going back to that guard situation, I could have said, yes, it's going to be difficult. Why? Because those two guards just had 14 Red Bulls and they are on, they're on point. <laughs> they're there, they're watching, they're scanning, they've got laser beams up above, just honing in. That's going to be difficult. I got my new sword now, out. Now you've got to roll stealth to get around them. And if you fail... I don't know the stealth rolls. What do I do? You roll. Roll something. I'm going to roll a 20-side die. Wait. I'm rolling a 20-side die, Russ. Oh, God. I need to do stealth. I'm a thief. I have high decks. I rolled an eight. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Well... What happens? Do you have a plus? Uh, It says plus one next to decks. Okay, so you add that to your roll... Which gives you a, a nine. nine. So now ah, that's unfortunate because those jacked up Red Bull um, guards, oh. you tripped. Just wait, wait, as wait. You... I read it wrong. I had plus four. Oh. It's a 12. You know what? You, you thought you were going to trip, but then you caught your oh. wind. You rolled out yeah. just to hit the shadows because you're a yeah. roguish character. Yes, I am. You made it by, but now they're a little more on alert. So the people coming in behind you, it's going to be a little bit harder for them to get there. Oh, I don't care about them. Sweet. There we go. That's how we do it. So don't get overwhelmed at the table. Have fun. If you don't know the rule, just roll something. And you can always write it down. You can have someone at your table. Write it down. And it's a rule you can look up later. So you can all be like, oh, that's how we do that. 
But really, it's about having fun, and it's about the risk of the dice. Um, a thing I like to do when I was, uh, I liked to do when I was learning how to play, and Tom, Amy, and Carl, and I were all playing around the table, just trying to figure out the game as we were going. Yeah, plug your show. Go ahead, plug your show, Russ. I, it was before, <laughs> wait, way before the show. Um, go, go. But Keep we were going. all playing around the table. And I had my my module out. I had my monsters. I had all of this. Um, but I designated Tom to be my rules checker. So if it's something that I didn't know in the moment, I did I did what Sean and I did is we we made it up. We played it. We made it fun. But then I said, Tom, can you check that for me to see if what we did applies to the rules or if it's broken the game in some way shape or form that we have to then go back and change which we were still doing in the tiamat episode which we were still doing in the tiamat episode that was a very important episode to hook up a big rule on pardon my language to up. no that's not the word i wanted to, say. to screw up a big rule whoops it's a hundred percent great to have someone that will just check a rule and you can come back to or just write it down yeah like you don't have to do it in the moment let's look at it later um, so I, I think that'll help. So we've talked about, okay, what do you do to ramp up? Um, we talked about what do you do in the game if you don't know what to do? Um, and we didn't really go into the spell one. So I want to talk about that. Sure. Um, if it's a spell, I don't know what Russ does, but here's what I do. I have my laptop open. And one of the only things I use my laptop for is searching the roll 20 compendium for spells. Because yeah. <laughs> as soon as the magic users, first of all, they have a, you'll have a lot of ramp up time because they'll be doing this. Um, okay, I think I'm going to cast a wall of... No, okay, maybe maybe I'm going to do wind drop. No, I think wall of flame. No, what about the knife one with the cube of... Um, uh, yeah, they're going to so talk a lot about of time. it and ask a friend or phone a friend and you know poll mm-hmm. the audience. They're going to try and figure out. And that's fine. That's part of the game. Yep. But like like Sean said, there's, there's apps, there's websites that are designed. So Roll20 Compendium is one of them. D&D Beyond is one of them. Has a good one. All of them are quick to say like, okay, they've cast Windwall. I don't know exactly what that does, but I'm going to quickly type it in here. Okay, it creates a big wall that, you know, blows arrows back and it's difficult to get through. Yep. So you can quickly find it as they're reading it out and figuring it out. And here's my rule on my wonderful chart I've drawn. Okay, is it a spell? Is it a spell, Russ? Yes. Okay, you search on Roll20 Compendium. It's a complicated one. Do you understand it? No. It works. Sweet. Windwall does whatever you think it could do when it sounds like a wall of wind blows everyone back 50 feet. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, make it up. Have fun at the table, but mark it down later. Gotta figure out Windwall. Um, if you do understand it, then you just do that. Yeah. There you go. That's all you need. If you know the spell or if you have the spell right up in front of you, you can quickly scan it. They they make it very clear what the end objective is. But if you're in the midst of like a huge battle and they're like, I cast Windwall, great, roll, or, uh, you know, whatever it is, it happens. Yeah. It does it. It's awesome. They feel good about it. You feel good about it. And then you can go back and check it later and be like, oh, well, I overpowered your wind wall, but I won't do it next time. There are a couple. There are still they've done a good job of IV, but there are still a few spells that are confusing, even yeah. like for us. Oh, for sure. Like, there's a few where we're like, what? You know, you got to read it again. You have to have a little debate about, you know, because sometimes players are getting very creative in how they want to use certain spells. Yeah. So it creates some whatever. And, but anyways, and then there's uh, a spell that you can change one letter in, or two letters oh. in a spell that changes the spell entirely. Yeah. So 
Yes. Once you get to like high level stuff, you've probably been playing for a while. Don't start with a one shot where you've got level 15 characters. No one is going to have fun with that. Start low level. Like they're yeah. squishier. Level but one. Easier it's to fun. Understand. It is fun. Okay. So let's talk about overwhelm from planning. Right. So the bear, let's, let's got a lot of parts here to answer. Thank you models for, for asking this question. How, <laughs> aside from not giving ourselves a much enough time, yeah. though that is probably a strategy I use now. Um, how do you stop the overwhelm from over planning? Right. I have, I, I found an old notebook for one of my early campaigns and it's literally an entire notebook of worlds in history visual this is an audio medium i've got a binder that is like three this big it's huge it's it's like all three the dungeon master's guide the player's handbook and the monster (laughs) manual all put together you know what's in there useless garbage yeah because no nobody asked about it but months of fun work but months of fun fun work yes yeah so how do we i mean some of this is confidence right um and confidence comes Some of with this experience, is, so we're not saying, yeah. oh, be confident for your first no. game. It's not going to happen. And, it's fine. But some of planning also gives a confidence whether you use it or not. Yeah. Um, no, okay, I say that we never used it. It's useless garbage. It's not useless garbage. No prep is is entirely useless because you can always go back to it if you didn't use it that session. Right. Um, so you plan 100%. 18 rooms for a maze. You only use two of them. Those <laughs> other 16 rooms then show up somewhere else in the world. Unless you're Russ, where you're not allowed to use mazes ever again. Jokes um, on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and it's hard. Like some of learning how much to plan comes from <laughs> learning how much was not needed. Yes. Right. And some of that's just a feedback loop where you also it's not about just us. Some of this is about learning your table. If I if I were to step back now, I'd be like, oh, um, there are tables. I'm getting to a new table. I plan more because I might have. Right. I might have people that want to. Well, no, I don't. But I should. Um, the theory stands. Right. I, I'm set in my ways now. But yeah. but yeah, normally like it's learning on the table. What does the table want to do? Right. Like what? Russ and I both have tables that that we have to be prepared for. Can spend an entire hour episode doing nothing. Yes, right. So and that changes the way we plan. Yeah. And then you'll hear you'll hear me. I don't know about Russ, but you'll hear me every once in a while where the the table's just like they're they're committed. They're just going, and I'm like scrambling. I'm like, oh God, we're moving ahead. Um, I'm ready. I'm totally ready. Yeah, this thing happens. Go. <laughs> Oh, wait, that was from last week. You didn't use, oh, you're through that now. Oh, this thing happened. Yeah. yeah it's so, so part of it's just knowing your table and yeah. part of it, I think is just learning. Right. But I, I think most GMs over prepare when they start. Now, how do, how do we get to know our table? If this is the first time we're setting down. Great question. Have a session zero, sit down with your players, figure out what they think this game is going to be. Do they think it's going to be mazes? Do they think it's going to be just dungeon crawl, monster kill, treasure hunt? Do they think they're going to get to seduce everything they 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 walk and come in contact with? Or do they want to get to know the commoners of this village and why they're there and how they're there? You may have a mixed table, which gives you a broader idea, which makes it a little more difficult, but it gives you an idea of what each player is trying to get out of the game alongside as alongside everybody else. 
Yeah, I use a. I don't use it a lot, but I tend to like this framework where you um, you start by introducing your concept to the world. You bring everyone together and you go, "I have this cool idea." Don't read all eighteen pages from your binder, right? Do the do the short yeah. pitch. I have a cool idea. It's uh, it's it's punk world. I don't know. It's like steampunk meets sci-fi meets whatever demon world, and and just get them like, interested and excited in the world. And then there's the three questions. What are what would you be excited to do in this world? Like what excites you? What would be fun to do? And then the second question I like to ask is what would not be cool to do? Yeah. Like what is off limits? What is not cool? What is not fun? Allow players, it's a question we don't always ask, but allow new players to say, you know, they might have had an experience playing a game where something happened they weren't comfortable with. Mm-hmm. That can come out, right? I don't like I, poor Russ has run into it. My table, we don't like killing animals. So like wolves and whatever. So, and then he put frogs in there. Bastard. But anyways, what? it was funny. What frogs? If you haven't heard it, you have to hear it. The, the cast, the thing with all the frogs. Oh yeah, I did. Like, See, duh. I just ignore tables sometimes, especially when I know the <laughs> it people was funny. Them, but yes. if you guys haven't listened to that episode, oh my, oh, it's on the Patreon. You can't. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the, the third question, um, is to then put it into the character, right? What does your character want or need in this world? Cause I find, if if I can get what would be fun, what Russ was talking about, what's not cool, like what what do we need to avoid in this world so you can have fun? But the third one is what I then mine for ideas at, at the table. I don't know if you Russ, but I'm yeah. like if I can get a sense of what their character wants to do, like they wanna they want all the riches, or they want to be the supreme knight, or the most reckon they want to be the hero, um, or they want to be the thief that everybody's afraid of. Whatever that gives us ideas as a GM for what to play with as tensions. That's something I like to do with my table. I mean, both Sean and I have long running tables. So that's something I like to do, not even just off the top when you're starting a game, but have those touch points every, you know, three to five sessions that you sit down and be like, okay, this is what we said last time that, you know, Moot wanted to go do. We've done some of that stuff. Is that still the trajectory that you see your character on? And if not, then you can start skewing the game other ways. So it's a great way to start the game, but it's also a good way to keep it going once you've got it going. So you don't run out of ideas. Be like, well, they've made it to the first goal, but I didn't ask, you know, maybe they wanted to do other stuff along the way. That's awesome. I think we've answered this question. It was a hard one. It was a lot to it. It was a good question. Very good question. Thank you, Models. The only other thing I think we didn't really touch on is specifically for Dungeon Masters. And again, for Dungeons & Dragons 5e, go back to that basic rules, get the free ones, um, at least to start. Uh, They break down what you're going to find during, you know, what you're going to need for advice on building combat encounters, be it monsters or riddles or puzzles or anything like that. And then how to read a stat block for a monster. They're just a pared down character sheet, um, but they're just a little, you know, different enough to be, if you're looking at them for the first time, um, different enough to be a little bit of a a pain in the butt. And then how to deal with magic items as well, because that can sometimes throw a wrinkle in when you're like, oh, I don't know what this cursed thing does. Just have fun. Go for it. And get started. That's the key. Just just do it. If you don't have it all figured out, just hopefully we've given you enough tricks that you can just feel comfortable doing it at the table, having fun. And then you'll slowly... It's so much easier if you learn this over time. Yeah. It's like any any game, anything you do, once you start doing it, when, then you can 
take the things that you run into and apply them to what you're reading. Whereas trying to apply, you know, 900 pages of text that you've read to one specific event. It's crazy how much of this shit we can keep in our heads once we're playing. It, Yeah. It just comes to me now. I'm like in a business meeting and I ask somebody to roll for persuasion because I don't think their pitch is going well. <laughs> they look at me weird but, and then they walk out. That's a good way to end a meeting. But but also remember, it's okay to check the book. Matthew Mercer checks the book on in his show on the yeah. air. He'll be like, give me that book, flip it open, check yeah. it. It's, it's all okay. That's why it's in the book. Nobody's saying that you need to uh, remember everything. Use bookmarks. Or search search online. It's all searchable. Um, okay. Uh, uh, models, if that helped and if this helped anybody else or if you still have more questions, please send them to us. You can join us on Discord. Link down in the description to our email, dm to gmcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Links are in the description. We've also linked those basic rules. Please go check them out. Uh, leave us a rating and review. And you know what? If you do... We will read it on here and thank you profusely because that's what we love to do is thank you for listening to us. Now, go play. Do it! The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. Greetings. I am the modestly handsome obituary writer of this fetching town of Crestfall, Idaho, and this is Death by Dying. Death is exhausting. And so, after a long day of funeral attending, I had retired to my apartment to get some shut-eye. I loosened my Versace tie and changed into my Egyptian silk pajamas. Are you the detective in town? No, I'm the obituary writer. Really? Someone said you solve murder cases. Murder? I'm Charlotte, by the way. Forgive me, but I haven't gotten past the murder part. Charlotte, the friend I now have, is staying in the apartment above her Aunt Lillian's bookshop. She was my aunt. She was all I had growing up. I need to know why she's gone. Murder is the spice of life. I knew just who I had to see. The Angel of Death. We have become friends over the years. Careful. Death is ever-present. Her pet, the button-eyed raven, moaned inconsolably as usual. Your friends are abandoning you, one by one. You write about death, O.W. But how much do you know about what it feels like to lose someone? The shadow in the dark woods is making its way into Crestfall. Listen to Death by Dying on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher.